Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Our title sponsor is Peterson Toyota, a great Ram Nation partner that prides itself on excellent service and delivering you the vehicle that is right for you. They've been in business for more than 50 years, and they are the largest dealership in northern Colorado. Winter is here, and at some point, we're actually anticipating some snow. And when that happens, you'll want a vehicle that can handle the conditions like the all-wheel drive Camry, Highlander, RAV4, 4Runner, and the new Corolla Crossover. Peterson Toyota's knowledgeable, friendly staff will help you find a great vehicle for you. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please give Peterson Toyota a first shot at your business. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Ram Nation Radio. I am Volkan Mesa, joined by Mike Rowe, tailgate extraordinaire and Ram superfan. Also with Steve Ivey, author of Crackers College Hoops blog, better known as uh, Selma Hayek's side piece. And uh, we hope everybody is doing well. Uh, we took the last couple of weeks off. We're, uh, it's all on me because uh, I had life and work get in the way. But uh, Happy New Year, everybody. Today we are very excited to welcome in a key cog in Colorado State's what, 13 in one start? Phil yeah. Jacobs transferred from Colorado State as a graduate <laughs> transfer after a great four year career to Dallas Baptist. He benefited from the extra COVID year of eligibility, joined the Rams. He was the uh, fifth player in school history to be named the Heartland Conference Freshman of the Year. He was then the uh, first team all conference uh, player as a sophomore and a junior there, and then was named All American his senior season a first in Dallas Baptist basketball history. He's also an academic player of the year. Great career, uh, which is still ongoing here as a Ram. He averaged yes, 20, almost 21 points a game at Bet Dallas Baptist, 7.4 rebounds, 2.7 assists, and 2.5 steals for, for the Patriots. Now at CSU, he's joined a team with five returning starters, a team with a lot of experience returning. Yeah. And he's made his mark, though, in a lot of different ways. He's found his role off the bench. And he may not be scoring like he was at Dallas Baptist. He may not be the 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 superstar that he was there um, as the the marquee. He provides scoring ability when needed, tenacious defense, a lot of energy. And uh, I know the three of us believe that he is the a key reason for this thirteen and one start, and and a reason that that as fans we all love this program for for not just his athletic ability, but what he brings <laughs> in person. So uh, we awesome. are very honored to have you, brother, uh, uh, on our we appreciate you show today. Thanks, thanks, Chandler. So, so can I interrupt just for a second? You forgot to mention Chandler's arms are pythons. <laughs> well, I, I was, I was waiting for you to bring that um, <laughs> When I first saw him in practice over the summer, it was obvious he was going to be a tremendous defender and he has not disappointed. Yeah, I, I was I was going to let you say that, that Steve. <laughs> that, that's your go-to, but yeah. Hey, uh, so Chandler, thanks, buddy. I know, I know you just uh, got done with practice. You got you yeah. got plenty going on before uh, tomorrow's game. Uh, right. But here we are. We're sitting at at thirteen and one. You guys are three yeah. and one in league play. Uh, you've experienced four conference games here in the Mountain West mm-hmm. so far. You know, now that uh, school is back in session for for most schools, now you're going to see mm-hmm. some pretty good environments as you travel across the league. Uh, but yeah. I'm just curious: is what what have your been impressions been so far of the Mountain West, competition wise, arena wise, and and yeah. uh, what do you think so far this year? It's been uh, it's been really cool. You know, I think that you know, ever since I was young watching BYU in the Mountain West, I've always been a big fan of the Mountain West Conference, watching Jimmy for Dead and, and all those guys. Um, so coming here and being a part of it has been awesome. You know, the arena has been amazing. San Diego State, awesome environment. Even with we played them on Christmas break, there still was a, I think maybe 8,000, 9,000 people there. So it still was a good showing. Um, and it's been awesome. You know, the competition level is, is high level every game. You know, regardless of somebody's the first person on the scout or the last, you have to be keyed into what they do well. Um, to kind of slow them down because everybody can play at this level and everybody, anybody can get off if you allow them to. So it takes a lot of focus, a lot of effort, um, but it's fun. It's challenging mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, you got to be able to stay even, even killed, but it's fun. So I've been, I've enjoyed it thus far. You guys got a, a big win at home last week over Utah state. Then you traveled to San Jose state Saturday, uh, yeah. put a bit of a beat down on them. Yeah. And with when, uh, tomorrow night, Wednesday night, we've got uh, New Mexico coming to town. They've got a rich history in this league. You know, yeah. a lot of really good teams over the years. They're they're a little bit in rebuilding mode under first-year head coach Rich Pati- Richard Patino. 
Yeah. What's the scouting report on them? I know that they they actually have a couple of really good guards in Jalen House yeah. and Jamal Mashburn Jr. They don't yeah. have a lot of size right now. They've had some issues there. But tell us yeah. what you guys have been working on in preparation for, for these guys tomorrow night. You know, uh, they're, they're a really good team, and they shoot the ball really well. And like you said, like you said they have two – actually three or four, like, really good guards that can score the ball and really put the ball in the hole. So I think that the key thing for us has been transition defense, slowing them down and making them score in the half court. And just contesting shots, you know, and I think that they got some they have some guys that can knock down shots and they're really good shooters um, in the starting lineup and also they come off the bench. So uh, one thing that we are trying to be very just on about is just getting getting the hand up on their shots, contesting, making shots difficult and just making them inefficient, essentially, is our big goal. So um, that cleaning the glass, attacking the glass ourselves and just just getting out and playing. We look back at the uh, that San Diego State game. and Obviously, you were coming yeah. off a long yeah. Long COVID pause. Uh, yeah. Do you feel like everyone's got their legs back under them now? Um, how real was yeah. this, you know, the lethargy and the rustiness that, that you guys experienced after the break was, is that just something us fans talk about? Or is that a pretty real deal when you guys don't get on the court for, for much of the last, you know, three point three yeah. weeks? Yeah, it was, uh, I think it was, I mean, honestly, for me, from my perspective, I feel like it was a lot of, I think we have a team full of competitors, a team, a team of guys that love basketball, that know how to compete. So I'm not going to chalk the San Diego State game up or any game up to, you know, coming off the COVID break. You know, we're a good team. We have good players. We're tough guys. And, you know, that's just the climate we're in in terms of our country. You know, just that's where we are in the world. You know, COVID's a thing. So I'm not going to sit up here and act like, you know, the COVID break was the reason for that loss or the, the way it went down the way it did, you know. But um, I think it had a, a minor impact you know, definitely had an impact. You don't play basketball that long. I think the biggest impact I think it had was just the cohesion, definitely offensively. Because even with that game, I felt like we were pretty keyed in to the scout. Um, and we guarded their initial actions really well. It was just one of those things where we kind of lacked the uh, the chemistry a little bit, I would say, on offense and defense. And that kind of took some kind of retooling after being off for two and a half, you know, three weeks or so. But that's really all I would say it was kind of gone, you know. We're, 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 we're competitors. We're tough, you know, conditioning wise, we'll be fine. I think we're good on that. So I think it's just getting back, getting back that chemistry and that kind of cohesion is the biggest thing. So, I mean, did you guys take anything from that loss? I, it yeah. was a game that you guys trailed. It, I mean, it, it was a tight game. First half, you trailed by four. Yeah. And yeah. Then they outscored you 43, 17 in the second half. You, you end up yeah. with a 30 point loss. And you yeah. know, I was looking back and I didn't see anything uh, in your previous uh, career at Dallas Baptist or that you experienced anything like that. And, you know, and, and <laughs> nah. as, as, as good as, as good as we are now, as good as this basketball yeah. team is now, was that, was that kind of a shock to you? And how do, how do you react to it? Yeah, it definitely was a shock to me. You know, uh, I remember after a game, we, we were in the locker room and I just sat there kind of like in disbelief. I, I couldn't believe we had lost by that big of a margin, but um, honestly, I'm really thankful for it. You know, I think that that woke all of us up and, kind of got us back on our high horse in terms of our sense of urgency. And I know from an individual standpoint, um, it helped me learn the Mountain West a little bit better, you know, and I think one of the struggles I've had offensively has been like picking my spots, knowing where my shots are going to come from, knowing what opportunities I ought to take and which ones I should pass on, you know, at Dallas Baptist, as you said before, I was a guy. So I had a lot of, a lot of opportunities to kind of get certain looks whatever the case may be. But now, you know, San Diego State, a longer team, more athletic, and I'm playing with better players in general. So now I have to be more efficient with my looks. And that was a big learning step for me. And also just learning about the toughness that it takes to really win at this level against those skills, really top tier teams. So it was a tough loss, but I'm really happy it happened. So I think it made us better. Yeah, it's interesting um, that you say you're happy it happened. But I mean, you almost kind <laughs> of look at it that, that something like this happens at this yeah. point in the season and you can learn from it, get better. Exactly. I mean, was, was, was it a situation that you guys were pissed? Were you embarrassed? Or do you just say, hey, we're pretty rusty. San Diego yeah. State played their best game of the year. Let's, let's yeah. you know, this is a bit of an anomaly. Let's, let's move past this and, and get on. I think it was a little bit of embarrassment at first, you know, but um, at least on my end, I'm sure some of the guys maybe felt the same way. But I think after that, you know, life is, life is, coach always says, and it's a common quote, you know, life is, less of what happens to you, more about how you respond. So with us in that game, it was like, yeah, it happened. Let's move on. You know, we're a little embarrassed, but let's move on. Let's get better and just 
learn from it and and not and not make it a loss in terms of letting allowing that those feelings to prolong beyond that moment. So Chandler, Mike Rowe, uh, thanks again yes, sir. for jumping on with us. We really do appreciate that. Appreciate you guys. So, you know, coming out of high school, you committed yeah. to Dallas Baptist uh, D2 yeah. program after having a really solid career at Elkins High School yeah. just, uh, in Missouri City, just outside mm-hmm. of Houston. Um, yeah. So what was your recruitment like as a high school senior? And what led you to go to uh, Dallas Baptist? Man, that uh, my recruitment as a high school senior was nothing. So I think uh, coming out of high school, I only had the Dallas Baptist offer. And I think it was maybe like October of my senior year. And I had Dallas Baptist and a couple of division ones that were kind of recruiting me. And after a while, I just kind of realized, like, wherever I go, I want to go somewhere where I'm going to be celebrated and not tolerated. That was a big lesson I learned the previous summer while I was playing for an AAU team that was filled with a bunch of good guys. But I was on a very short leash. So, like, if I was playing well, I played a lot. If I wasn't playing well, I would get pulled quick and I probably wouldn't come in for the rest of the game. And I was playing out of position. So, after that experience, I told myself, wherever I go to school, it's going to be a place that I know they're going to believe in me. They're going to give, breathe life into me every day, regardless of how well I'm playing or how bad I'm playing. Um, and that was the energy I got from Dallas Baptist. You know, the coaching staff was amazing. Um, they, were, they were great guys. They were such big fans of me as a person, which was really cool to me. Um, and I, w- I wasn't one of those guys that was like D1 or bust. You know, I just wanted to go somewhere where I could play and where I would get the opportunity to grow into the player that I ultimately wanted to be. So that was my recruitment coming out of high school. And that was really why I chose to go to Dallas Baptist. And also my faith is a big thing to me, too. So going to a Christian school was uh, definitely optimal and something I really enjoyed. Chandler, this is Steve. Yes, uh, hey, last summer, someone in the program told me that you were the before it was ever announced that uh, they yeah. told me you were the number one target in terms of her grad That's trans. Awesome. Can you can you walk us through how the recruitment went with CSU? I was a normal normal recruitment with all the COVID yeah. stuff going on. I'd love to hear all the yeah. all the stuff and how you recruited, all the contacts you had, all the people you talked That's with. That's awesome. I love that question because I've always I've wanted to talk about this for so long. So I appreciate you for asking that. But um so it's a it was a very opposite feeling from what I had come out of high school you know come out of high school I had one one offer coming into this situation as being a grad transfer one year left the career I had at DBU I had 30 something offers you know so it was a very different kind of feel for me um and as most people know I initially committed to Texas Tech and I kind of got to my my final five to Tech CSU a few other schools in there I committed to Tech and once I decommitted I think at that point I kind of knew I wanted to go to CSU because for my last year, um, I, had, I had a great career at DBU. And one thing that I realized was as much as I loved being a part of that program, I kind of missed a little bit of like the brotherhood feeling. And I, I noticed that after I would get certain accolades and certain things that would happen for me, I wouldn't feel as good about them as I would hope because I didn't feel like I did them with my teammates, if that makes any sense. So for my last year, I wanted to go somewhere. And this was a big reason why I decommitted from Texas Tech because I wanted to go somewhere where I felt like I could be a part of a team and a family. Um, and uh, Coach Ali Farouk was a big part of the reason why I ended up coming. Honestly, the main part of the main reason I ended up coming, because after I committed to Tech, I was just really kind of going through through a lot mentally and emotionally. Um, and I was struggling. And I remember I put an Instagram post up shortly after I decommitted from Tech. And Ali texted me. He wasn't recruiting me. He just texted me. He said, you know, I saw your Instagram post, and I just wanted to check up and see how you were doing. Um, you know, it sounds like you're not doing too great. Let me know if you need anything. I'm here for you. And that meant a lot to me because that was the vibe I got from DBU coming out of high school. Like on my worst day, the coaching staff would be there to support me and, uh, and to hold me up. So once I got that read from Ali, I was I knew immediately where I wanted to go because um, at that point I'd already committed. Um, so I knew immediately where I wanted to go proceeding from there. And I, I committed here. But um, that that process was a lot. It was very heavy on me. I wasn't used to that much attention um, for obvious reasons. Um, so that that weighed a lot on me. And I took countless Zoom calls on my birthday. I, I think I took eight different Zoom calls about an hour each on my birthday. Um, and I think I maybe had 40 total overall when I was getting recruited. So it was it was really hectic and it was very confusing and a lot. But um, I think I made the best choice. I agree about the best choice. We love that. <laughs> So do, so do we. So do we. <laughs> we. We all agree, Chandler. I appreciate you guys.
but yeah so that was it once I committed here I didn't I didn't want to announce it for the first three weeks so I committed here like I want to say early May and then I didn't it didn't get announced to I think the end of May because after the whole social media and just all the activity I got from my recruitment I was kind of like you know I just need a little break so I quietly committed here and signed my paper and then you know national letter of intent or whatever and um or my scholarship degree in the weather and you know I knew I was coming here and I knew I wasn't going anywhere else it was just a matter of me taking my time to announce it I know basketball is basketball but yeah um are there significant differences between playing at the d2 versus the d1 level yeah definitely and it, it's so funny because you know I, I look at the success I had at the division two level and sometimes I have you know, questions like, why am I not succeeding like I did here, there, you know, and all those kinds of things. I'm really hard on myself, but, uh, or at least succeeding on paper, more rather. But one thing that I think I've learned is that at the Division two level, you know, you can get by off of your talent, your athleticism, your skill. But at the Division one level, everybody's skilled, everybody's talented, everybody's athletic, you know. So um, the biggest difference that I've learned is, like, there's a certain uh, level of toughness you need to have to really succeed at this level that I think is not necessarily required at the division two level. You know, the division two level is no slouch. You, you have to be, especially to do the things I did, you have to be tough in, in, in any respect to be able to do those things, you know? Um, but I think that the division one level is just another level of toughness that's required. Uh, and that's the biggest thing that I've learned, you know, the size, all that kind of stuff, all that stuff on paper is not as big of a difference as people would think. I think it's really just a mental thing and just a toughness, level of toughness. So Chandler, you know, what are the differences you see off the court between the two schools, you know, the training table, the nutrition, you know, support. Yeah. The uh, man, that's a big difference. That's one thing I will say, you know, I think Dallas Baptist where, well, first and foremost, we were a private school. So we had a decent amount of money and they took great care of us there. You know, like we would get meals. We we wouldn't get meals every day, but we would get meals. We would be taken well, well taken care of. I didn't have to fend for anything out there, you know, but I think, um, out here, it's just a whole nother level, you know, between the meals, pre-practice, post-practice, you know, the snacks, the, the fueling station throughout the day, the chartered flights, like travel, you know, at DBU, we drove everywhere, you know, wherever we were playing, we drove, you know, here, the only, I think the only games we'll drive to is maybe like Air Force, maybe, um, I think we're even flying there, but like we charter everywhere, you know, so that's a big difference. The food is a big difference because we get fed every day here as opposed to um, just like on game days at DBU and then coupled with that this, the the kind of stipends we get um, on a month-to-month basis you know D2 does not allow stipends like cost of attendance but Division One obviously has allowed that and that goes a long way you know just paying for little things and paying for our rent and just helping us out financially so like at DBU I worked on campus as well so like I had practice I would work in the mornings I work after practice just kind of bring extra money in because my you know my family couldn't help as much as, you know, maybe I, I, I probably needed. Um, and we didn't get a stipend at DBU, so I had to find other sources of income. So I worked while I was there for my last two years. Um, and, yeah, so that's the biggest difference, I would say. Like, I don't have to work now, which is a nice, but so, yeah, big difference. So I noticed the Lone Star uh, Conference, yeah. which, which you played in, yeah. um, was set up kind of like the Mountain West last year where you would play – two games you would go to to a, a school whether they came to Dallas to yeah. play you or whether you'd go to the school and you'd play, play two games yeah you play yeah. back to back two games yeah. in, a, in a three-day period so yeah. what was that like uh for you uh, yeah Baptist I loved it I loved it I liked the back-to-back setting because I feel like and especially playing the same team back-to-back because sometimes for instance like we're playing Air Force later this week we played them two three weeks ago you know, so teams can change a lot within that span of three weeks, four weeks, you know, however long it takes you to play them again. But the back-to-back, because you're only playing that game, that, that team twice. So that back-to-back was really cool because you saw that team as they were. And wasn't much changing between game to game, you know. So the things that likely worked in the first game were often probably worked the next game. So I liked that. And coupled with that, I felt like it helped me stay in rhythm really well, you know, because – at DBU, I'm not sure if you can pull this up or whatever, but I'm willing to bet that there was a lot of times where I would have a, a good game, a solid game in the first game, but the second game would be even better, you know, just because you're kind of in rhythm, you kind of know what to look for, and, like, the – I guess the ambiguity is, is gone a little bit. 
So I was I was really a big fan of it. Honestly, I wouldn't be opposed to doing it again, but I was I was a fan of it. So hey Chandler, I you know you're yeah. the man at Dallas or at Dallas Baptist, uh, yeah. and you're in the process. Basically, you've had to transition to more of a role player. Yeah, definitely. Uh, at CSU, um, what's that been like for you? I I just I just I wonder. I'm I'm curious how that yeah. how that how that works for you. Yeah. Initially, it was really difficult, you know, because there were certain looks offensively that I was getting at DBU that I was not getting here, obviously. And, you know, it was it was a big adjustment for me and one that I wasn't very honestly a big fan of at first. You know, it was difficult. It was challenging. But that was what I wanted when I came here. You know, I wanted to grow as a player. I wanted to grow as a person. I wanted to mature and I wanted to challenge myself to be something different, you know, because I've been the leading scorer at DBU all four years of my, my collegiate career. So. When the shot clock was winding down, I've, I was the guy getting the ball for four years straight, you know. So learning to be a role guy and being a star in your role was something that I never really had to do, which is something that I think is going to prolong my playing career post Colorado State, post my year here. Because, you know, that's what the, the professional game is about. You know, people get paid to help the team win. You know, these teams that you're going to, whether that's EuroLeague, wherever, overseas, whatever it is, like they have star players already. So they're not looking for you to come in and average 30, average 22. They're looking for you to be a role guy and help the team win. And um, that's been a tremendous adjustment for me, but one that I really enjoyed because I've learned so much about myself and just about basketball and just about really life. You know, I feel like basketball teaches me so many life lessons, and this is just another one of them. Like, be a star in your role. And if you do that, and if you help the bigger picture, it goes a long way. I think coupled with that, with me being more of a role player now, it's helped me buy into the brotherhood concept a little bit more. You know, at DBU, I kind of felt like an outlier. I kind of felt like an outsider because I was the main guy, you know, but here being a role guy, uh, but still having an important role and one that was needed, um, it, it gives me a sense of empowerment, but also a sense of like connectedness with those that I'm doing it with. So, and I really, I really, really love that. I've, I've, I've longed for that for as long as I can remember in my life. So to have it now in my fifth year is honestly a blessing. Has has as you become uh, more comfortable with uh, with the move to D one, more comfortable yeah. with schemes at CSU, yeah. both offensively and defensively, um, yeah. has your role evolved at all? Um, has uh, are the coaches uh, doing things any differently with you as you become more integrated with the team? Yeah, I think so. Definitely, I think that. Um, you know, Ali and Medved both have been super, super cool because they know that this adjustment has been tough for me. But as I get more comfortable and as they, as my confidence grows in terms of just being sure of what I'm doing out there, um, you know, they've kind of, you know, here's the opportunity where you can attack, where, you know, you're athletic, you can get to the basket. This is an opportunity where you can maybe attack this gap, whatever the case may be. And they've been tremendous in that. So um, I think the, the way that they've helped me in that way is just by helping me notice here's where you can be really good for us. And here's where we're going to give you the keys, I guess, to make a play or the creativity, the room for creativity, I guess I would say. That's cool. Um, so real quickly, you know, that you talked mm -hmm. about the brotherhood. Um, I know top to bottom, the team is really close, but if you, uh, yeah. people have been here some time, do you have one or two players that, uh, that you are close, maybe closer to than any others, any of the Texans or is it anybody uh, else? Let me see. Let me see. Um, let me say. Let me go with players that I'm. I'm gonna say that the two guys I'm probably most fond of, like I just really enjoy their personalities the most. Um, I'll probably say I'm gonna go three. I'm gonna go three. I'm gonna go DT. DT is like he's probably my favorite guy on the team, just because he's he's the epitome of an old soul in a young man's body. Like I love that. <laughs> so DT is just slow pace. He goes at his pace all the time. I love that. Um, I'm a big fan of John as well. I feel like John is uh, a really good, a really good hearted person, just an awesome person. And coupled with that, I just feel like he's so open minded and just so welcoming of, of people. So I really appreciate that as somebody who is kind of, you know, a little weird, but I like that a lot. And then um, let me see, let me go one more. Let me see one more. Um, I'm a big fan of Isaiah. I think Isaiah is my dad. <laughs> my dad, when he first met Isaiah, he was like, "That boy is cool, cool as a cucumber, cool as the other side of the pillow." And that's the epitome of Isaiah. Like 
he never seems rattled. He'd all, he's always has it under control. And it seems that way, you know, and the fans see it. We all see it on a daily basis. So those are the three um, that I can say something about top of my head. But I love everybody, though. I love this team. I've heard you talk. I've heard you talk in the post game with Brian Roth yeah. and uh, talking about how you've accepted this role. Yeah. And I got to tell you, buddy, this is this is rare. I think in this era, it's yeah. the, uh, everybody. It, it's a transfer portal era, right? I mean, it's everybody's yeah. looking for their their moment to shine. They're looking for their best yeah. opportunity. But you hear, I hear you talk, and I hear other guy. I you hear other people talk on your team, and you see mm-hmm. their their actions. It, it's it's unbelievable how selfless this the players on this team are. Is this just a yeah. a culture thing with with Coach Medved and what he's yeah. building here? Um, why do we have so many guys that are willing to put the team first over their own interests? Now I think I think it starts with Medved. You know, Medved is that kind of coach. You know. I think a lot of times head coaches can kind of believe in their own ego a little bit. And like, if an assistant coach has something to say, like they may, you know, uh, forget what he's talking about. Listen to me, you know, but whenever an assistant coach has anything to say in practice, like Medved, regardless of who it is, you know, Medved's like, okay, let the coach, let, he allows the coach to speak and to speak his mind and to speak on what he sees. And, you know, I think for me being a very introspective guy, that, that goes a long way for me in terms of just like, I feel like regardless of what your role is here, whether that's a, you know, a GA, an assistant coach, a manager, like, I feel like we all feel the importance of it. And I feel like we're all have equal importance and we just play different roles to help this thing go, you know, and that when you're around that kind of people every day, it's hard not to accept your role and to like happily accept your role. Cause that's just the kind of culture that we breathe. And it's the healthiest culture that I've ever seen from a basketball standpoint, you know, cause we all have our own individual goals, but, I think we all know we can't do it without one another. And I think that that is, that stands out the most to me with this team. Well, this is a, uh, uh, just, just a couple more questions, man. This is really, yeah, you're good. This is really, I'm enjoying it. You're good. Me. Yeah. So, Hey, um, <laughs> I know and when you say that, I think about guys like Adam Thistlewood, who yeah. he's used to 30 playing 30 minutes last year, uh, yeah. a game. Right. And, yeah. and uh, his scoring is probably, uh, well, drastically slashed. Right. But you don't yeah. see him pout ever. You don't see anybody ever. Ever pout ever. The guy he when he's on the court, he contributes with with yeah. other aspects. Um, and that's I think and there's you just don't see this across college basketball um, as At a whole. So, so, but I, when when I when I hear you talk, you're you're very eloquent. You're mature. Appreciate you. Um, your your athletic ability is second to none, right? And yeah. and the fact that you've been able to to accept this role is is really impressive. But have you seen like, you know, you've only been with the program less than a year and have you seen yourself grow from a leadership standpoint? You've got guys that have been in this program for a long Mm -hmm. time and you've got guys younger than you that are stepping up as leaders. But do you see this now, you know, halfway through the season where you're like, hey, I have an ability to influence this team positively. Let's let's let my leadership skills shine. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think one way that I've always been really, I've loved to lead is really off the court. You know, I think that that's been the biggest, that was the key to my growth at DBU and like the study and, and like improvements that I made over my course, of my career there was like each year I knew myself more and more and I was more confident in the person that I was outside of basketball. And I think that for me, if there's anything that I want to do with these guys is I want to give them the channel, the space, the opportunity to really love who they are as people. And to, if I can do that from a leadership standpoint and help them bring that out of themselves and just like, cause I feel like so much of, of sports is like this whole thing of comparison, you know? And, and my, my experience is I've learned that when you really become content with yourself, that's when you really can succeed because you don't feel like you're, you don't feel inadequate. You know, you feel secure in yourself and that gives you the freedom to go do the things you love. And from a leadership standpoint, that's the, the message that I really want to give and that I really want to, advocate for it to all my all the guys on this team you know whether they're my same age or younger like you are enough as a person and that's kind of what I want to preach and like really lead from that's what I, I that's what I like to do so that's a long-winded answer to say that's how my leadership works I like it so Chandler uh we definitely yeah. want to respect your time and and we again yeah. we appreciate you joining us so yeah. I'm gonna uh I have one more question and right, this I'm here is for it. I always uh, 
I always ask everybody uh, kind of yeah. know where they're uh, look at where they're from. And yeah. so I like to find out, you know, favorite restaurants from their hometown. Yeah. And knowing yeah. that you're from the Houston area and, and Houston yeah. is really known for their barbecue and, and Texas. Yeah. Um, so when you go back to Missouri City, where are your go-tos? My go-tos. Uh, okay, so my mom loves Tex-Mex. She loves, like, every year on her birthday, she, she goes to a Tex-Mex spot. Um, I can't think of the name right now. But honestly, any Tex-Mex place in Houston, Texas, more than likely is amazing. And that 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 may or may not be true, give or take. But every place my mom is taking me to for her birthday or Mother's Day or any occasion over the years <laughs> was amazing. And I, I love Tex-Mex, too. She passed it down for me, obviously, as she's done a lot of things. So, um, yeah, Tex-Mex is amazing. Barbecue, honestly, I feel like the best barbecue that I've ever had has always been at cookouts. Like, I just feel like when you, when you go, when you're cooking and you're eating food that's been made, like, by your family or by friends, and it's like, the whole cliche of things being made with love. I think that's a real thing. You know, uh, I'm such a big proponent on that. So, uh, yeah, that's what I would say. Well, you need it. You need to have Coach Medved uh, get everybody <laughs> over because I know he has a trigger uh, yeah. smoker. So, yeah, he Daddy can, does. Uh, he can get some stuff going up for all you guys. So, Daddy does. I want to again. I want to thank you. I, it's been awesome getting to know you on this, and, yeah. and obviously getting to watch you over the last few months. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. That's awesome. Hey, Chandler, what do you, what do you study and uh, what do you want to do after college? So my undergrad, I'm in grad school currently. My undergrad was in accounting. Um, and I thought about and I, I thought about pursuing becoming a CPA for a while. And I think I still will um, eventually because I, I just really love numbers. I love math. Um, and I'm a very detail-oriented person. My master's is in sports management. But I think after college, optimally, I want to go back to school and I want to study psychology. I want to become a sports psychiatrist. Um, I think that that's one thing that's a big, similar to how I want to lead my teammates. Like, I just love people so much. And I just love being able to give individuals the opportunity and the space to be themselves and to come as they are. And I think that that's one thing that I would really enjoy, especially in the sports realm, because, you know, that's what I know best. And that's one place where I, I think that it's really lacking. Because um, I feel like as athletes, we don't really know ourselves. We just know what we do. And we and that's how people know us, you know. And I think that if I could ever make a difference in that in that way, that would be amazing. So that's my big picture goal for myself. But we'll see. Well, you continue to impress me because I feel like accounting. You're an idiot <laughs> to me. It's the worst thing in my life. I hate accounting. I hate numbers. <laughs> like I hate man. math. So I'm, I'm so impressed by by you. But uh, you know that that's uh, that's awesome, man. So um, yeah, th this has been really great. Hey. I know that uh, the three of us are all going to be at Moby Wednesday night. Yeah. Um, looking forward to that game. Air Force as well. I know I'm going. Yeah. Mike, you're going, aren't you? Charlie, yeah. you going to Air Force? Yeah. Next thing I was going to say, yeah, I'm, I'm heading down to Air Force. Uh, I appreciate you. Uh, Mike and I live in Denver, Chandler. Okay. We live just uh, like a mile apart from each other. Wow, that's cool. But, uh, so, so that drive down to the academy, the Air Force Academy, is – much shorter than it is up to Fort Collins, but Hey, yeah. just, just uh, a little PSA for you. Don't, don't let the boys fall asleep in that game. All right. I know we beat them once already, but well, no, we won't. Trap. that plays a trap. Yeah. They've got a, yes. uh, they've got a group of cadets that sit uh, what they call the section eight. It's our little student section right wow. by the right, right by your bench. You'll definitely hear from them. Uh, That's so, kind of cool. I'm that excites me. I like that. Yeah. But <laughs> I think, I think you're probably going to, there's going to be a lot of Ram fans there. It's going to be good, yeah. but uh, take care of business against the Lobos and the Falcons this week. Yes, uh, we wish you the best. Uh, thank you for such a fun season so far. Keep yes, it going. This is a lot. This is, this is so much fun, buddy. Thank you. I appreciate you guys. Chandler. Thanks so much. I know when thank I first you. met you, I told you uh, we'd figure out a way to get you on. We finally got yeah, you on. You did. You did. And uh, you know what? You've been incredible. This has been uh, Thank you. as good an interview as we've done. It's really nice to see you open up and get to know you really well. So I appreciate you guys. Thank you. This week we'll see you after the games on uh, Wednesday and Saturday. Yes, sir. Thanks Thank for you. giving me the opportunity. Thanks, good buddy. Luck. See you. All right, you guys. Have a good day. All right. That was Chandler Jacobs. And how spectacular is that young man? I mean, that is a kid that was 21, 22 years old. And uh, he is way more mature than I was at that age. And 
Uh, that was a More lot mature of than we are right now. What are you talking yeah, that, about? Well, that is, that is for sure. He is, still, he is. And, and here's, I really believe this is he is the epitome of why this team is so good. Like they are full of guys like him that put the team first and he, he, he could have gone a lot of places. I mean, he, he committed to Texas tech and then he changed his mind, came to CSU, but he could have gone a lot of places and been a, a major impact. And uh, he comes to CSU where there's a lot of returning starters and a lot of talent and has found a way to accept his role and not just accept his role, but really excel in it. And, uh, and he is a, I think he's a huge reason why CSU is so successful right now, but that was a lot I mean, of fun. You talked about, you know, being recruited by 40, 40 teams this, uh, this last off season, you know, and, and, for CSU to have him, I mean, he talked about how he, how as the man at Dallas Baptist, you know, he kind of felt like he was on an island, you know, yeah. said it was, it was weird. And obviously moving into this role, the world that he has right now, you know, he has really just meshed into that team and you could see, and he talked about wanting to, wanting to be a part of a team like that, not wanting to just be his own player, but you know, one of, one of five, and, and honestly, at CSU, one of ten. You know, the, the thing that impressed me was here's a kid working on a master's degree in sports management, but he also talked about another degree down the road in terms of psychology and becoming a sports psychologist down the road. And he said something that really resonates with me that I, that I, I think, you know, he, so much of that he started talking a little bit, and it would have been fun to spend a little more time with him about, you know, a lot of times I think they uh, division one players become, they are who the results are on the court and not necessarily, that's not who they are as a person. And I think he was very, he's very sensitive to, uh, you know, to people uh, and what they can be as a person. And he said something, you know, to the effect of you're enough, you're more than enough. Uh, and uh, people need to understand that, that you can achieve and everything, but you have everything inside you to, to get there. You don't have to, to be anything other than yourself. And I, I want an extraordinary level of maturity for somebody. Uh, it took me 65 years to figure that stuff out. Well, Steve, you're pretty tight with the coaching staff in this program, but, and, and I asked him about it, but this is really unique that you've built a culture pretty quickly where you get buy-in from, from the entire team. There's not a cancer on this team. There's not a me guy on this team. Um, and when you hear him talk and he, he said, you know, the culture here and what Nico has done is why everybody buys in. You know, the other thing that, you know, to me is incredible, you know, you heard 30 or 40 teams recruiting. It was done by Zoom meetings. It wasn't done personally. It wasn't like he had a lot of personal contact and, you need to be special in a Zoom meeting to be able to get somebody to realize that you have a great program. Yeah. And I think that is, that is absolutely a great statement about uh, Ali. He talked about Ali, but a great statement on Nico and the rest of the staff. The fact that in a Zoom meeting, they could get such a, a great player to come here um, and to identify him as a really good fit via Zoom meeting. They didn't, haven't spent much time with him. CSU right. does a lot of work on the road recruiting. When they're meeting face-to-face, -face, they're spending a lot of time learning about the player, learning about who they are, learning about their family. And they want to make sure there's certain personality traits and uh, character traits that, that are going to lend itself well to this whole team together thing. And for them to be able to do what they did via Zoom meeting and get such a, a person that fits so obviously well into the team uh, is, uh, I mean, what a, what a, uh, what a statement about Nico and, and his staff. There's a lot Sorry. of traits that you look for in a, an athlete and you get caught up in metrics and the measurables and all that stuff. But when you put such a high premium, like, like Nico and this staff does on human beings and in quality um, character and getting to know not just the person, but their high school coach. And what does he say about them and their family? And if, if all those boxes check, you know, as far as, as far as being a good human being, 
then that's when he's like, okay, this is who we want. I mean, the, the, they, they got all the, the film and, and the stats and everything else on the athletic ability, but the, the, the premium they put, they put on quality human being and team player is, is impressive. And so that, that also carries over to what we're hearing out of, uh, and we won't talk about football today, but when you hear about what coach Jay Norvell talks about, when they look at players, it's the same thing. They're looking for character. They're looking for, um, they're a good family. They're, they want to talk to, they want to vet each player out uh, through their coaches and anyone else is in contact with them. So uh, I think this formula that, that Nico's got going on is a, is, is working. You know, what, one of the comments that he made and, and Steve, you, you kind of mentioned it when he talked about Ali checking in on him, you know, I think he, he you know, he was still committed to Texas tech, but he talked about how, you know, he was just down. And, and I think we all, everybody in the United States, you know, a, a year ago, we're, we were all down, you know, and we were all depressed. And, and for Ali just to check on him, not to check on the basketball player, mm-hmm. but to check on the person, you know, that, that does speak, you know, volumes of this staff, you know, and, and it speaks volumes of, of what the culture that that Nico has created. And it's one of those things, like, obviously I don't want Nico to leave. I, you know, I want him to be, you know, the Sonny Lubick of, of CSU basketball, the, the Hilbert of CSU basketball. But if he does, this staff is set up to continue. You know, I, I think it would be pretty easy for Ali or, or for even for a JR to, to come back and, and take over and continue this family that that has been created at Moby. You know, I would I would agree with that 100 um, percent. Speaking of Ali and his his care of people. Yeah, you guys are aware of my current situation. Very few people knew about it. I did tell a few members of the staff. Ali was one of them. And uh, after the last game, of course, he came up and he said, how you doing, Steve? <laughs> he just checked in with me. Um, but even better. His wife, Mallory, came up and said she wanted to talk about it. And she was so kind and so warm. And uh, she shared her experience with her mom having breast cancer and what she went through. And it was a real special moment. Uh, Ali and Mallory are absolute pillars in the in the, the CSU community and the Fort Collins community. And I hope they stay here uh, forever, to be honest with you. They're just wonderful people. All right, quick pause here. Let me encourage you to visit Mighty River Brewing Company. They're great supporters of RamNation.com. They've offered tons of free beer and growlers and beer flights for our contest winner. So I know people have been enjoying that. They have $5 pints on Mondays and Tuesdays, Brewery Bingo on Wednesdays. And this Thursday, they're releasing their new beer, the Hawaiian Haze Pineapple Mango Hazy IPA. <laughs> Owner Dan Miller is just saying F it, I guess, with uh, this winter vibe. But uh, as he's going, you know, summer feel on this Hawaiian beer. But uh, you check that out. And you can also check out their other new release from the Barrel Aged series called In the Deep. It's an English old ale. It's aged in old elk bourbon barrels. Released it last week. It's available on draft in the tap room or in four-pack cans to go. Try those or any of their other 14 beers on tap. Dan Miller is a great Ram fan, longtime Ram Nationer. Stop in and say hello to him. Thank him for all he does. Show Ram Nation on your phone and get a dollar off your beers. That's Mighty River Brewing Company. Pretty fascinating talking to to Chandler. And uh, so just curious, is CSU back to full strength here? Do you feel like um, they're ready for this crucial run here with New Mexico coming to town? Then you go to Air Force on Saturday. And then you get a couple of home games back to back, uh, which – give you a, a pretty realistic chance to to string together a bunch of wins um steve mike what how do you feel this team is playing right now i you know it, it's hard to gauge we, there was some rustiness for sure for a few games then you go play against the san jose state game and you you really whip them but is your is there much to glean from that game and and is this team back to to where we saw them before the covid break uh, I don't think they're quite back. I think they're close. I think defensively they were, you know, I don't want to take too much out of the San Jose, State, San Jose State game because, quite frankly, Tim's up against it. That team is not playing very well right now. That being said, uh, we saw some really good things out of the bigs, both uh, DT and uh, 
James Moore's. It was the first game since the COVID pause that DP showed what DP can do. And it was good to see him back. So that was a, a real key thing. The team overall defensively was good. Uh, offensively, uh, they were very good too, other than the fact I'm still seeing three-point shooting that I don't think is up to their level. It's okay. Um, but when you watch guys taking wide open shots and you're used to seeing guys shoot, you know, 50% on wide open shots and they're making 20% of them, that's, that's still an issue. And, uh, and for CSU to be operating at full strength, we think back to the Creighton game, we made 23s, we made everything. Yeah. We can do that. Um, and that's what ultimately this team is capable of doing. You don't want to shoot 34 threes every game like they shot against Creighton. But if you take 20 of them and make 10 of them and do the rest of the work in, in the paint, uh, getting to the free throw line, you're going to be a heck of an offense. And that's what this team is capable of. And so I look forward to a little better, a uh, little improvement on the three-point shooting side. And, you know, it, you start thinking through it. It's really funny. You shoot 45% from three, you shoot 20 shots, that's nine out of 20. You shoot 30% or 35%, that's six or seven. It doesn't sound like a heck of a lot, but it is. It's six or nine points that you're leaving on the table. And I, I'm convinced CSU is still leaving a few points on the table that they're going to need uh, as they progress further and further down, down the road. You know, you're right. That, that San Jose State game, I mean, you do, you do realize and you, do, and you can see that that's just not a good program. That's not a good team. Um, but the thing that I noticed on, on Saturday and what I've been seeing, the progression starting from the Air Force game, going to San Diego State, going to Utah State, is Saturday they really seem to have their feet underneath them. If you, if you go back to those, those uh, previous three games, and even though we won two of the three, defensively we were flat on our feet a lot. You know, and, and that's why you saw – you know, whether it was the backdoor cuts from, from Air Force or, or whether it was, man, that kid from Utah State just driving to the basket. And so we would either get caught flat-footed and they'd blow by us, or we would just reach out and pick up a, a cheap foul, pick up a, a, a bad foul that we didn't see from October through December 11th. And that was one of the things that we saw a lot less of on Saturday, again, I mean, you can you can go to San Jose State not being a good team, but they are athletic and they were driving to the paint. And you saw our our, our players moving their feet and being in those positions. You know, Thistlewood picked up a, a a huge charge when you know San Jose State was inching back into that game, and he picked up that charge. You know, Doug Gottlieb talked about it with with David Roddy about the way that he picked up a guard and was moving his feet the entire way and got him to, I think, uh, commit a turnover trying to force a pass while he was driving the lane and he had nowhere to go. That's what we saw on Saturday, and, and we didn't see that those those previous three games. Again, with that shooting, you know, we have three players that you're right. I mean, we've seen it a lot of air balls on open looks, wide open looks, and to me, that that just won the timing, not being at the gym and shooting. But it, it seems, you know, they're tired and they're not getting they're not getting that lift that they usually would get on a jump shot, and they're just off. Um, we pick that up tomorrow night. You know, this is a team that can that we know can put up three digits. We could get to <laughs> we could get to a hundred points. Steve, uh, what what do you and what do you expect here as uh, New Mexico comes to town Wednesday, and then uh, we head to Air Force on Saturday? What do you expect to see in these uh, those games? I, I expect us. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll be right up front with this. I expect us to smash New Mexico tomorrow night. Um, they are really so very good backcourt. Um, in terms of the ability to score, but there's not a lot of uh, sharing of the ball and helping other teammates be better. Uh, their point guard is as, as good as he can be in terms of scoring. He's a liability in terms of his ability to find other players and make them better. Uh, that's the opposite of Isaiah Stevens. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it'll, it'll be apparent tomorrow. You'll see a great athlete on the floor. 
uh, running around like a chicken with his head cut off, doing really special things and then doing really stupid things. Um, and uh, I expect we'll keep him reasonably contained with our ability, with the speed of a, a guy like Kendall Moore, uh, with the other defenders that can come off the bench. And then uh, they do not have a very good interior game. They do, they've lost their top three or four bigs. They're down to a freshman who's really should be redshirting. And uh, they're down to a, uh, a, 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 a power forward that actually a, a stretch four that uh, really should be playing on the outside who's been forced to play inside. So they struggle. Uh, interior gets Boise. They got killed on the glass and they fouled dramatically. I mean, they fouled Boise shot, uh, but they shoot uh, 38 free throws and made 21 of them. If we shoot 38 free throws, we're going to make 32 of them. Uh, Boise won by eight, will win by 20 easily if we uh, if we play our game. And then if you see the three-point shooting take off, we've had some games against New Mexico. You go back a couple of years, we smashed them to the tune of about 100-something to 70. Um, we've actually beaten them pretty bad the last several times in Moby. Uh, New Mexico has not been a good road team. They got beat by 25 or 30 at UNLV. I think I think tomorrow is uh, is a blowout waiting to happen. Um, so that's that. And then Air Force, I'm going to be honest with you. I think we'll be a completely, we'll look completely different against Air Force on Saturday. I know it's on the road. I know they're in their own gym, but I think we'll be infinitely better than we were two weeks ago, two weeks ago when we played them. Um, it's, uh, we were a step slow on the closeouts, gave easy threes. We were uh, a, a half a brain slow in terms of recognizing backdoor cuts. I don't think we'll give up as many of those. And I think offensively we'll be sharp. I don't think Air Force will score 59 points on us on, uh, so, on Saturday. So they were missing four of their top guys against us the first game. Uh, they'll have those guys back. Is that you, you don't see that as a, a big? I think that was a tremendous exaggeration. They actually played better with the guys. Those guys that they put in the lineup were the uh, – the juniors and seniors that have been around the program for a while. You had a guy who had a career high against us, uh, who, uh, what's his name? Cameron Murphy, I think, that, uh, that uh, had a career high against us. We totally lost him. Um, but the kid named Van, uh, Vanderswag, uh, good, good wing who can shoot, he hadn't been starting. Well, guess what? Now Air Force is talking about how they have this wonderful depth now. They have eight or nine players they can go to. Well, that was on Joe Scott. He was only playing five or six players and he was forced to play as juniors and seniors. And quite frankly, I think they're better players. Um, so is Air Force a better team? Not necessarily. Not, well, I don't think we're going to see anything necessarily any better than we saw two weeks ago. I think we're going to see a better CSU. Well, it's, it's not like, I mean, going back to Skippy and, and Keller and, and, oh man, I can't think of number 15, the long athletic kid that they had that's it wasn't like air force was missing those three guys you know the guys that they were missing are exactly the same as the guys that played <laughs> you know any of their any of their players they're all exactly the same about all exactly the same height same skill set so it wasn't like it wasn't like they were missing a, a roddy and a stevens and a and a Moore and a thomas as their four starters <laughs> so right. i you know uh steve i agree with you I think we're going to put it to New Mexico tomorrow. Um, Patino, I, man, Patino's got about a, probably even a harder job than what Timmy has in San Jose state. Uh, because he had, he's, he's dealing with expectations. Albuquerque has expectations for the Lobos. There there's no expectations in San Jose. And so if, 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 he doesn't get things going in, in Albuquerque. That's going to be a short leash, I think. And so they're in trouble. And and like you said, they have two very athletic guards. We can run out different looks. We saw it the first game against Oral, Oral Roberts. And I don't think that, that that guard combo is better than – is. I don't think the New Mexico guard combo is better than what we saw against Oral Roberts. So I'm excited about, you know, what we're going to see on, on Wednesday. And, and Denver fans, we need to fill up Clune. We need to fill up Clune on, on, on Saturday. We need to make that a home game. So 
I'm excited for both games. You know, I'm excited about this week. And, and I think this is going to be just two more games where we start getting back to 100%. We start getting back that timing. Mike, you made, a, you made a really good point about New Mexico and Patino and what he's up against. I don't think anybody realizes how low that program has fallen after what Craig Neal did to it. And then, then they brought in somebody, Paul Weir, who took it even lower. I mean, they are the lowest of the low, if, from my perspective. They're, they're as low as San Jose State was. They have no players. Uh, they had to go out and get the pair of guards out of via the portal. They'd be absolutely dead without those two guys. And it's a uh, the, the, like you said, the expectations in New Mexico are so unreal, unrealistic. When we had Jeff Grammer a few weeks ago and I said, uh, will, uh, will the New Mexico fans be patient during a rebuild? And the answer right away was no. <laughs> and imagine, think about what we've been through here when we got miles that first year. We were 0-16, for God's sake, in the Mountain West. <laughs> and the fans were patient. No one was calling for him to be fired. Think about what it was like with Nico his first year. We were 12 and 20. Um, we were not a very good team, but it didn't matter because you can start seeing the pieces falling into place. And, and with Patino, with the win right away kind of mentality down there, I think that's an impossible job, to be honest with you. The only coach that's going to ever be successful down there is somebody who brings in five four-star transfers who played at the Power 5 level and I mean, that, that started, <laughs> I mean, that's never going to happen. That's how unrealistic it is. They don't have, they will not be able to do anything other than build a program just like CSU has. And if they're not patient, they could be three years out and they'll be bringing in another coach and doing another rebuild. All right, one last quick pause to give a shout out to Ginger and Baker. Chef Ryan and the cafe has come up with a new dish, the Little Cranberry Ranch Wagyu Salisbury Steak with mushroom sauce, mashers, glazed carrots. Mm. You could top that off with passion fruit meringue pie. This place is unbelievable. You have to experience it for yourself. The rooftop, which really became my favorite space in the entire restaurant, uh, was enclosed this past fall winter. They, they put a glass enclosure on it, which makes it spectacular and usable year round. Um, they opened the space after that was complete during the holidays, but they got to put some finishing touches on it here in the next couple of weeks, but they'll be reopening it by Valentine's Day, which speaking of, if you want a special place to treat your significant other, take them to Ginger and Baker. It's a no brainer. Make your reservations now for Valentine's Day. Please check out Ginger, Graham's, Ginger and Baker. Well, that New Mexico game is on CBS Sports Network Wednesday night. The Air Force game is on FS1 Saturday, but, uh, that info is for you out-of-staters. I hope all you in-staters can get to both of those venues and let's support our Rams. We're, we're uh, what, halfway through the season. You're, you're running out of opportunities to support this team. So, uh, and guys like Chandler Jacobs, who we just had on, and, and these are top-notch guys. So uh, before we close, you know, Steve, Steve Ivey, who is a pal of ours and a – frequent guest here he's a longtime contributor to ram nation he's got this crackers college sports blog and college hoops blog and and uh it's the first thing i look for every day is to see if he's updated that but he is a uh, as good as he is to to cover csu he is a better person and you can hear that translating as he, he speaks to you all here on this uh, platform but uh on the 28th as unlv comes to town csu is hosting their bigger than basketball game and this is a uh a, a really spectacular thing that CSU does. They honor cancer warriors from uh, the Fort Collins, North Northern Colorado community. And uh, as you've probably caught on recently on social media. And, and he's talked about this on the 1310 Brady Hulse show on 1310. And, and now would love to ask you about this, Steve, but uh, it's, it's, I know you've been private about it. It's become public, but you've been battling cancer yourself and uh what you're going to be part of that game on next friday the 28th uh, what is this going to mean to you everything joel everything it's uh it's make a wish kind of stuff uh you know i i talked about it in my blog and with brady um you know when i was a a, a little scrawny 10 year old there was nothing i wanted to be more than a point guard playing college basketball I grew up about two miles from Villanova. That was it. I point guard for Villanova, playing against Providence and 
playing against those teams, you know, that playing big five games, that would have been like the coolest thing. And uh, my basketball career came to an end in uh, early in high school. I wasn't good enough. But, uh, you know, my love of college basketball started when I was 10 years old as well. And uh, I've been blessed uh, to see games and uh, I went to Duke. To, so I got ACC games during the golden era when David Thompson was playing. I got to, I was in grad school at the U of A when they first year was the WAC, second year was the Pac-10. They made the transition. First time I ever saw CSU play was when I was in grad school at the University of Arizona uh, in that last year of the WAC. And so I've been fortunate and then moved to Fort Collins and, and get to get associated with, I think, the some of the best coaches. I know a lot of people didn't think a lot of Dale Laird. Dale was fantastic with me and I loved him. Uh, and Tim and Nico, two unbelievable people. The way they've treated me um, is beyond anything. So this program has meant so much to me. And for them to do this game uh, as they do, and they really take it seriously, it's a it's a really special event. We'll do a Zoom meeting on uh, on Sunday, which happens to be my birthday, so I get a birthday present of a Zoom meeting with the team, and we share our stories and and with the team, and um, and then we uh, get honored at the game, and uh, we get players wearing their our names on their jerseys, and uh, I I get. I get, uh, uh, I'm on a division one roster at the age of, uh, at the age of 69. And that is uh, just so special to me. Um, I mean, it is, it is everything and it means a lot. I know you have chosen to battle this quietly. You never talk about it. You know that we're, we've been praying for you. And, and I, for one, have been amazed by the grace and the strength that you've shown in taking this on. I mean, we've, we've had you on this this show like a day after you've had chemo and the people that listen to this could never tell that, right. You, you, you don't, you don't change your demeanor. You don't change your, uh, your attitude. It's you're always positive. And um, it's, a, it's a, it's a real testament to you and, and an inspiration to all of us. So um, I know you, you don't like this kind of attention, Steve, but it is, it is really cool. Really happy that, that the prognosis is, is, is looking up and, and I'm so glad that CSU does something like this where a guy like you can be honored along with all the other, the people that are going to be honored that day. And that, that are also honored during the, that have already been during the, uh, the women's game. And it is, uh, it's really, really neat. So love you, brother. Yeah. I, let me say a couple more words. Um, I, I, like I said, I kept it very private. I shared it obviously with my, uh, my family, my two sisters, uh, we haven't, my mom still doesn't know she's 97 years old and she's got a heart condition. And the concern was if she heard her little baby had, uh, had cancer, it might kill her. So she still doesn't know, but, uh, my sisters knew, and I have three close high school friends that, uh, that knew, um, that I, that have been very supportive. I had, uh, uh, told a few members of the coaching staff, Nico, Ali, and, uh, Aaron Katsuma about the situation just so they, they and they've been tremendous but I also told I was very comfortable sharing it uh, with with you and Mike and all the uh, the Ram Nation glitterati um, Joey B Rob three Ram Ram Master D, you know, Dave Johnson El Diablo queers you know all the all the guys that we go back 15 years and it, it, it's important that I acknowledge the, the level of support. I, I trusted you guys to, to keep it to yourself. Um, and the support you've given me over the last few months has meant everything to me. You're like brothers to me. And, uh, and believe me, it, 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 it kind of has me tearing up right now. Um, you guys have meant so much to me. Thank you. You know, Steve, having so many of my own family who have battled cancer and have my own dad who just finished his treatment two weeks ago, seeing the strength that you have has really helped me get through my dad's and just being able to put that on you too, you know, given, given you my thoughts and prayers for what you're going through, like, I'm, I, I can't even tell you how excited I am for next Saturday, next Friday. The 28th is going to be a very special day for you and everybody else that will be out there on the floor and, and for CSU Ram fans as well. Thanks. Awesome. Awesome, guys. Uh, Steve, 
appreciate you, Michael, appreciate you. And, uh, really appreciate Chandler Jacobs for joining us. This has been a, a great day. Before we check out here, wanted to say a couple of things. Uh, you know, when you talk to a guy like Steve Ivey, who is going through what he's going through and so many people go through this, right. It really puts into perspective life. You know, right before we started recording, I came from a funeral uh, for a guy named Kevin Walitsky. Some of you may have heard of him. He, he uh, grew up in, in uh, he went to high school at Smoky Hill High School in Aurora, went to UNC, was a baseball player, was a four-sport four athlete, and uh, just a super great guy. When he was at UNC his freshman year, they had a practice, and it rained, and a bunch of the guys were running around and, and you know, diving and sliding into the, the wet turf and the wet mud, and, and there was a horrible accident where Kevin – was paralyzed, you know, he dove and broke his neck essentially. And, and it was paralyzed and the grace and the uh, attitude that he showed the positive attitude he showed in the weeks, days, months, years, and his lifetime after are really inspiring. And uh, when I, the reason I bring this up is, you know, I think about Steve and what he's going through. And, you know, I think about Kevin passing away uh, this, this, you know, over the last few weeks, he had passed away right before Christmas and, and his family. And, and you, you think about the things that matter to you in life. And, and man, we all get so caught up in athletics and we all love CSU, right? And when things go bad, we all lose our minds and we get frustrated. But when I look at Ram Nation in particular, I know it's ugly everywhere. But when I look at Ram Nation and I look at our general discussion board, which I've actually hidden mostly from our main navigation menu. Uh, and I see the way that we interact with each other uh, on the general discussion board and just rip each other because we have different views and different opinions and different political beliefs. We treat each other so horribly. And then when, when I look at our ramblings board, athletics board, where we don't treat each other well when we disagree or uh, worse, when we throw horrible comments to, to, uh, coaches and administrators and players uh, because they lost the game or played, didn't play well, or just didn't, you know, their, their, their career didn't work out a coach that, you know, Steve Adazio is, is frustrated as we were with all that. The guy wore the colors. He came here because he wanted to make us better. It just didn't work out. Right. It didn't work out. Uh, that's been the case for a lot of, a lot of players, a lot of coaches, a lot of administrators. Doesn't mean they didn't love this place. It doesn't mean uh, they did us wrong. They just, it just didn't work out. Right. And I, I this is the society today. And I just want to beg, challenge, whatever, ask our fans as frustrated as we, we get, let's just be good humans. Right. We we're all Ram fans, but more than that, we're all humans. Right. So let's treat each other with respect. That's all. I mean, we can be upset. We can get mad, but we don't need to treat, treat each other like assholes. So uh, I just want to, ask that of our fans it's this way everywhere it's not just csu it's this way everywhere across the country there's there's sports fans that lose their minds i mean the other day at the uh the the, the cowboys playoff game there were fans throwing bottles and stuff at 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 officiate officials and maybe even players uh for the cowboys and that's just i mean these guys put their heart and soul into winning and sometimes it doesn't work out doesn't mean we need to treat them like assholes so let's be good humans let's be let's treat each other respectfully that's that's the end of my soapbox but thank you all for listening uh this was a great great show today great time to be a ram a lot of good things happening get out and support this basketball team get out to the ram roundup at denver country club in february support csu athletics there's so much fun going on so much reason to be optimistic get involved have a great rest of your week go rams